0: Hello and welcome to The View from the Ninian. I'm Scott Salter and what a roller coaster of a day for Cardiff City fans. The transfer saga that started yesterday around Bobby Reid came to a conclusion with the forward joining Fulham on loan for the rest of the season. In came Isaac Bissell and Marlon Pack to complete the summer transfer window. We're talking about that, looking at the loss to Wigan on the opening day and looking forward to Luton at home on Saturday. It's a good one. Enjoy. Well, it's been a stressful day as a Cardiff City fan. Deadline day was not as smooth as we perhaps hoped it would be. But we're here now to chat through it, chat through the Wigan game and to chat ahead of Luton on the weekend. And joining me is Ben Price and Ben James. How's
1: it good. going? All right?
0: Not too bad. How are you both?
2: All good, thank you. How are you?
0: Yes, not too bad. Not too bad. Recovered now. Now the deadline's shut. The window's shut. I feel a bit calmer. But it was... yeah. Uh, like-
2: the, the adrenaline's slowly seeping away, isn't it? It is
0: yeah, now we've obviously got two bens, so we've decided that we're going to have Ben and b j for Ben James, so just so you know a bit of a distinguishing between them that's there's only one place to start really uh, and that's obviously the transfer window and the big story that i mean it really only broke yesterday was Bobby Reed joining Fulham uh, or leaving the club even yesterday, joining Fulham today, literally just being announced just as we hit record. So we know that one's definitely done. I was going to say no one really saw this coming, but BJ, you, you thought at the start of the summer, you said to the View from the Indian chat, wouldn't be surprised if Bobby Reed left?
2: Yeah, I think uh, as as much as I would have wanted him to stay and as much as I would have wanted to keep him, I think... I just had this, this overriding sense that we shouldn't shouldn't take for granted that people like him, uh, I know Josh Murphy has stayed, but Murphy, I think I said Ken Zahor at the same time, that they'd all stick around. And I think it just came down to the fact that, you know, last season we were kind of, I think a lot of fans have said this, we we underused Bobby Reid. And I think Warnock just didn't really know how to get the best out of him. And I just think for, for a man who'd scored 25 goals in the championship the season before and had scored a few goals in the Premier League last year, I think... I just, I just assumed there'd be people sniffing around and, um, you know, I don't, I don't like to, to blow my own trumpet, but I was, I was proved right.
0: Um, ben, it's, it's not clear, is it, whether Bobby Reed engineered this, route, this move or whether Neil Warnock did in the club. Either way, what perhaps is, is most frustrating is that it happened the day before deadline day. There was no real time to kind of digest it and get someone else in to replace him.
1: I think that probably is the biggest frustration is there was no time to look at alternatives and say and build a team around someone else. Um, a lot of us thought that Bobby would be the focal point of the team. We'd have someone like Glatzel build, play off around him and he'd be the main man with all the balls coming there. To be honest, thinking back now, we probably should have looked at it and gone, that's not really the way Warnock does the championship. Um, the, like you said, the biggest frustration is is just how short notice this has happened. Whether Bobby Reed felt it was heard the opportunity was there to go to Fulham and took it and took advantage and force the club's hand or whether it was a mutual thing after the uh, Wigan performance which uh, some people are saying could be the issue it's hard to know but it is really frustrating
0: But BJ Reed was frustrating against, against Wigan perhaps a little bit underwhelming but mm-hmm. the whole team were so do you think that would be a catalyst?
2: Um, I can kind of see why it would be a catalyst I think Look, Warnock made the noises over the summer that he would want to make Bobby Reed the kind of focal point of his team. He was, you know, uh, towards the end of last season he was clear that Kamarasa had kind of stood in Bobby Reed's way. And maybe, you know, the what Warnock saw against Wigan just, just didn't make him confident for the rest of the season. And I think, yes, the the rest of the team were poor. I think defensively we were a bit naive and I think there was a, a few factors at play against Wigan that kind of caused us to collapse, not you know, namely Etheridge going off injured and all that kind of stuff. But I think Maybe he just saw something and saw that Reed wasn 't going to be the person or the player he thought he was, and he thought that if an offer came in he would, he would accept it and i you know as I, like i said i 'm disappointed, but I think we we've done our own strength in him, which I'm sure we'll come to later, and I think as much as I wanted Reed to be a success this season, if he wasn 't going to be, and if warnock wasn't going to use him in the right way, then I think the move's the best the best thing for all parties
0: and Ben Reed scored five goals last season in the Premier League. But Cardiff fans really pinning the hopes on him and, and and looking towards that season that that made Cardiff spend the money on him, where he scored scored you know twenty odd goals for Bristol City in the Championship. He can score goals, but do you agree? Perhaps doesn't fit Warnock's system, and that is maybe the biggest issue.
1: I think definitely. Um, if you if you gave Warnock his preferred number ten, he's playing Callum Patterson there every day. Um, but Bobby Reed was a skillful player that could create something not not a lot of other players can do. Um, it's, it's hard to get your head around why he was signed in the first place if that's the case. I think that's probably one of the gripes fans have. He got fans off his seats. He, uh, We know he's got potential to score goals, which is something that we've lacked for, what, since Chopper and Bothroid, really? That player that can score 15, 20 goals? Yeah. So um, I think that's sort of where the frustration lies, especially if you look on Twitter, with the meltdown that's caused there is people just losing that bit of hope that, we had a proven goal scorer, and now suddenly we've let him go for ten million to a promotion rival, which is probably another frustration.
0: Well, what what surprised me actually is just reading the confirmation that it's actually a loan until the end of the season with the option to make it permanent. Does that surprise you, BJ?
2: Yeah, it does. But I think that's more of a more of an indictment at the fact that it was a, a last minute deal, really, than than anything else. I think you know the 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 rumors didn't start circulating until last night. I think from from. From what I gathered, he was at the training ground today, and then he, he went off quite late. So I presume that's just almost like a formality. I think he's he's gone on loan. They'll sign him permanently. It might happen in January. It might happen at the end of the season. But I think um, uh, Abandonato from Wales Online said that that should mean we get more money because if if we get the loan fee and then we get the the money at the end of the season, that should bump the fee up. But I think I, I don't I don't think it's it's anything really other than just a formality at this stage.
0: And looking at the club's announcement. Ben, it's, it's quite short and, and perhaps a bit blunt. Do you think that suggests maybe that Reed has engineered this move and, and Warnock and the club are perhaps disappointed that, that this has happened?
1: I don't know. It's sort of I think the club aren't great at communicating with fans at the best of times, but <laughs> I think they know that this is going to cause absolute meltdown on Twitter. They've had tweets all day hammering the club for this decision. I think anything other than a short statement is going to either raise false hopes it's just a one season thing or just sort of steer the pot a bit more it's um it makes more sense to keep it short keep it brief and just get out of the way
0: Um, and bj we've chatted in in private about some of cardiff fans reactions to to the transfer window as a whole but particularly this this reed deal do you think there's a few overreactions
2: i uh, i really do think there's there's an overreaction here i think I, I've seen a lot of people saying why have we left it to the last minute to carry out our business, why is you know, why are we getting caught with our pants down quite late on. I don't think there's any anything anywhere near that really. I think, look, we we signed people like Will Volks, Glatzel, quite early on in the transfer window, quite early on getting our business done ahead of the season started. And I think something's changed behind the scenes that has led to, to Reed leaving. And I think that's the reaction we've had from the club is that they weren't seeing this coming. They weren't expecting this to happen because Warnock was talking about him being as part of the squad and everything else. And I think, you know, I, I'm sure we'll discuss this and touch on this later on. But I think Reed going is is bad. I don't I don't like Reed going. But the reality is, he started what 18, 19 games last season. He took part in 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 less than 30. This is a player we've had for one season, and I think this is built on the fact that there's, there's a there's a misman- a mismarrying sorry between the club expectations and what fans want. We all wanted the team to be built around Bobby Reid. We wanted him to become the focal point of our team. But Warnock doesn't want that. And I think he's seen enough in that one game or he's seen enough in preseason to suggest that he wanted different options and the opportunities come in to sell Reid. And I just think that's what ha- that's what's happened. And I do think, you know, I understand why people are disappointed, but I do think there is an overreaction from from sections of the fans, not all the fans, I'll say.
0: <laughs> and following on from that, BJ, a question we had on Twitter from Reese Chambers was why did Cardiff buy Reed in the first place if Warnock was reluctant to play him? And I guess that stems back to, to what you said, maybe the expectations between the fans yeah. and, and and what Warnock actually wants. But a wider question of this is two or three seasons in a row that Warnock signed a creative number ten, you know, Lee Tomlin, Reed Camarasa to extent, but I mean, he was so good he had to play in, and could play any position really in that kind of centre of the pitch. But Warnock doesn't really like playing with the number ten that much. You know, his favourite team going up in our season going up was more of a flat midfield three with Gruich, Gunnarsson, and Rawls or Bryson. Mm. So why did he buy them?
2: I think I wonder if and and this I I think a lot goes on behind the scenes that we don't see, and I wonder if someone just. You know, I, I, There's a lot of talk about us not being very good at scouting and signing players and all that kind of stuff. You never know that an agent just got in touch with Warnock and said, look, Bobby Reed's open to a move. He scored 25 goals last year. He can play behind the strikers. He can play as a striker. He can play as a winger. Put in this amount of bid and you probably sign him. And I wonder if something like that happened. And I think when you get presented with a player like Bobby Reed, who's had a season, you, you know, it was a lot of Bristol fans are now saying that it was his one-off season. It was his kind of real breakthrough season. You get presented him for sort of ten million pounds. You know the the fees up and down depending on who you speak to. We're going into the Premier League and we needed to sign players who were going to do a good job. And I wonder if he just, you know, lights were shining, his his eyes kind of lit up, and he, he he took the plunge without really thinking about it. If that's the case, then there's questions to be to be asked of Warnock's transfer policy because when you look at who we signed last year and who's still here, there's no one really left now apart from Murphy.
1: Do you think it's a question of the transfer committee then not working as it should? Is it that? Um, these sort of players aren't actually Warnock signings? Do you think they're coming from uh, Darwin? Do you think they're coming even from Vincent Tan? And Fat Warnock while giving, while not outly saying no is not overly thinking I'm building my team around them but they'll do if the clubs won't spend the money?
0: It's tricky. I mean I don't think anyone particularly knows what what, the no. scouting structure or the transfer committee or anything, if there even is anything in place? And we saw that a bit with the Emiliano Salah deal of it was a case of, you know, the agents offering out an email in different clubs and Cardiff took an interest. They, you know, email saying this player scored X amount of goals in the French League. Are you interested? Yeah. Um, it was an interesting tweet actually from, I'm going to pronounce his surname incorrectly, so please do correct me if either of you know it, miles Jalofi. I don't know if that's says it, but he kind of listed some of the recent sign-ins. And, you know, Bobby Reid, 8.5 million, made 30 appearances. Gary Medine, 5 million, 20 appearances. Cunningham, 4 million, 8 appearances. Smithies, 3 million, 2 appearances. Tomlin, 1.5 million, 16 appearances. That's 22 million spent bringing in players who have either not been utilised or, let's face it, flopped. So there is a big question to, to have there.
2: Yeah, and I, but I think if you look at if you look at that list, I think Smithies came in and we expected him to take the number one spot. But Etheridge last year was, you know, inspired at times and kept us in games. If you look at Joe Bennett last season, Cunningham was given opportunities, but Bennett Bennett was the better the better left back in those situations. And I think Lee Tomlin, you know, is I, I, people point to him, but I think he's an outlier because I think there's a lot there's a lot going on behind the scenes with Tomlin as he's admitted so much in the summer that I think it's really hard to judge him on on what went on. And I think. It's, I just think it's. I think. I, I. do think there are questions to be asked about Warnock. But I do think that in any other situation, we would have signed the players that we signed. Like Gary Medine, we needed firepower in in, in the championship. We signed him. It just didn't work out for him. You, you know. You can say that there are questions to be asked. But I think in in any other situation, a lot of other clubs have done exactly the same thing. It's just they haven't worked out for whatever reason.
0: And on Lee, Lee Tomlin there quickly, we've got another question from one of your favourite people. Ben, you've asked me in the past to call him Sir David Carter. He Thank asks, you very much. Is this Lee Tomlin's chance?
2: I I think it has to be, and I think that's because Lee Tomlin's made a big kind of shout of it this summer by getting fit, by you know having those interviews where he said that he's kind of past the kind of um, the, the the issues he was dealing with away from the pitch. He's he wants to kind of stand up and be counted, and I think now Reed has gone there is a a crying out for a creative player in the central midfield. And I think, I really hope for his sake because I think he needs to get his career back on track and I hope for for Warnock's sake that he gets used a little bit because I think there'll be, again, Warnock's, if if in 10 games time we haven't seen Lee Tomlin, there'll be more questions coming Warnock's way.
0: Absolutely. And the other kind of departure that we think will happen today ben is is greg cunningham who was linked with a move on loan to blackburn it's not been announced yet but apparently they've completed a deal sheet um, which obviously you can do to extend the deadline a little bit um, to also complete the loan move it was expected he would leave i think he, he needs first team football let's not forget we signed him as one of the championship's best left backs obviously didn't get past joe bennett as as bj said there but it's expected isn't it
1: Yeah, I think it's a move that makes sense for both parties. Uh, The one thing I am surprised about is the club he's going to, given the rivalry with uh, Preston and Blackburn. But um, yeah, I think it's a good move for him. He gets a bit of football. It's a lone move. If Ben impresses, I think there will be Premier League interest from him again, uh, either in January or in the summer, if we don't go up. And we can bring him back or sell him on for a profit. Um, It's not worked out massively. When he has played, he hasn't been he, to say he's been poor is really, really harsh, but he hasn't been as good as Bennett was last year, who was, at times, brilliant. So it's um in yeah, defence in defence
0: right. of Cunningham as well. Some of the games he got thrown into were were pretty tough. Obviously, his debut was in that, that Man City game, Man wasn't City, it? Yeah. Which, which is tough. But he impressed, I think, in the the away win at Leicester. He um, was really good. But yeah, like you said, it's one of those things that is expected and and works for for kind of all parties. But Incoming. There was two transfers today. Obviously Isaac Vassell comes in from Birmingham, underscores fee, but I have seen about two or three million rumoured. I feel sorry for him. I the reaction that the replies to the, the announcements of that, BJ, were just were just ridiculous, people slating him already without even seeing him kick a ball in a card of shirt.
2: Yeah, I do feel sorry for him. I think you know, we uh, people I think are seeing it as a, a we've sold Reed, so this is his replacement. But we've been talking about getting a second striker for the last couple of weeks. Um, Vassell looks looks the part. I think he he struggled with injuries last season. I think you know he, I think he scored one goal in about 23 games, but I think the the stat was that 14 of those were from the bench. Um, he's come back from an injury and he's he was behind Che Adams. He's gone on to Southampton. I think you can you can see the reaction of the Birmingham fans to letting him go. He looks like a a, a really kind of a real presence at the top, and I think. In any other circumstances, we'd be happy with this signing. But it's kind of tainted by, by the re-departure. But I think you, you spend a couple of million on a good striker these days. You spend a couple of million on a good player these days. So I think the, the Vassal signing is kind of in line with that. And I'm, I'm quite pleased with it in, in any other circumstances.
0: And probably the best biceps in, in Cardiff
1: now.
2: It looks like it. I think he'd really keep you safe at night. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> I, I think I think you're underrated Joe Day's arms. They are massive. They look like he'd make a fantastic big spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe good that's good for
2: a goalie to have safe arms, I suppose.
1: It is, yeah.
0: Maybe that should be our next uh, Twitter poll. Who would be the the best big spoon in the Cardiff squad? To see what see what people say. The other the other incoming Ben is Marlon Pack, another Bristol City player, but seven hundred and fifty thousand is the rumored fees made over 200 appearances for Bristol City and Warnock spoke about his leadership. What do you make of this signing?
1: I'm actually really happy with it. I think it's the sort of player we were crying out for, a leader in the centre of the park. I still think one of the biggest losses for us throughout the season will be Gunnison. I think his leadership on the pitch is going to be massive, just the way he breaks at play. He's not going to score 10 goals, but he's a player that can do the dirty work and sort of be the linchpin that brings everything together. There was no... It's not like coincidence that we didn't play or didn't get the wit points when Gunderson didn't play in the Premier League and we sort of came to life a bit more when he played in the championship at the start of the year start of the first the championship season and I think he fills that role not quite the same but I think it's a decent option to have and like the leadership on the pitch is massively important we look we saw that at Wigan I think in the middle there I rate Joe Riles massively I think he's going to have a fantastic season Bakuna I'm still not quite convinced, but I'm willing to give him a chance. But they you could tell they were missing just that leader there to tell him where to be and just get a bit of communication between the two. If you watch the game um on a legal stream like I did, um you'd <laughs> see that there was just they just weren't talking to each other. There was just no idea where each other were. They, I know that it's a new partnership, they've got to learn how each other play, but they they were just there was no communication there that normally comes from Gunners and Bark and, and Joe Riles, we know is a quiet character. Yeah. Bakuna I don't know too much about so I, I don't think you're getting that sort of talking from those two I think someone like Pack brings it and will make a huge difference to that midfield Absolutely just, Go on
2: i was just going just to jump in and say that um, I've got a, a Bristol supporting friend who can't believe that we got him at all let alone for 750 grand I think there was something like he only missed 40 minutes of football last year yeah. he's played sort of 250 odd games across Bristol over the last few years and has been a real kind of linchpin in their midfield and I think as, as much as we, we kind of crave that kind of Kumas-esque character coming in and showing us creativity, in a Warnock team that's attritional, we need people like Marlon Pack more than we need people like Jason Kumas. And I think that's the key thing with this signing.
1: 300%.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it is the, the fourth ex-Bristol City player, if you uh, obviously count Adafruit, who came indirectly via Middlesbrough. Do you think Kenshu has said to Warnock, your scouting budget is restricted to just over the Seven Bridge? I mean, it's getting a bit <laughs> ridiculous now, isn't it? I think well, it's it... just
1: taking advantage of the toll booth being down yeah. just going, right, we're not paying that We're not paying that £6.50 or whatever <laughs> it was anymore, boys. Let's go for it.
2: I just think it's, you know, I think Bristol have, uh, as much as we we kind of like, take take the piss out of them a little bit, I think... You know, when we signed Tomlin, that was one thing, but I think Flint is, you know, he's a, a championship defender by trade and he's he's a he's a big boy and I think that there was it was a no brainer signing really if he became available because he's he's exactly what we need as a as a team. He's he's gonna score goals from throw ins and corners, but also defend quite well. And I think it's just it's just more more of a coincidence than anything, I would say.
0: And looking at the transfer window as a whole, obviously before today, obviously the incomings are Robert Glatzel, Gavin White, Curtis Nelson, Joe Day. And Will Vokes and Josh Watson asks Ben is this a good or bad transfer window
1: I think it's mixed um I don't think it's a bad one at all I think you look at the squad we've got now it's miles better than the squad we had when we got promoted um we, I think we've now especially now we've signed pack I think we've covered the players we've lost I think losing not including Reeks, it's a different sort of case but losing Gunnison losing Manga even losing Big, Big Ken I think uh and Kadeem Harris are players that we um, were going to struggle to we've lost the spine that's sort of a bit of flair there with players coming in like Volks, Nelson, White uh, even Flint covering those positions I think are we a strong player for player probably not but I think as a squad we are stronger so I think yeah pretty good pretty good all in all. Would you agree with that BJ?
2: Yeah I, I, I think everyone's just completely completely been tainted by Bobby Reed today. I think if if you'd offered us the the transfer window that we had where we signed a, a striker from Germany who scored 17 goals in 29 games, a Welsh International in Will Volks, Gavin White, who Oxford fans were pretty livid to lose, you know, Joe Day coming in as a, a number two, um, you know, signing people like Vassell and, and Pack today, I think everyone would have bitten your hands off. I think, you know, we, we even sold Ken Zahor for £8 million. Pounds. How we got £8 million pounds for him, I'll never know. And I think that's what that, I think everyone's just kind of lost lost that perspective today, and I think that's the that's the thing. I think if we hadn't sold Reed and we'd signed every player we'd signed and and done the business we had, everyone would be pretty pleased with the transfer window. As it is, we're kind of letting one player cloud the the, the kind of overall overall view of things. I think as much as you know, I don't think Flint is as quick as Manga, but I think if you if you told us that we'd signed Flint maybe six months ago, we'd probably been happy with it. I think Volks is is. A more creative midfielder to go alongside someone like um, Rolls. I think Pack is he's not as good as Gunnison, but I think Gunnison struggled in the season we went up. I think if you if you compare the squads from two thousand seventeen eighteen to to now, we've we've absolutely improved because we still kept hold of people like Mendes, Lang and Murphy, and then they're going to come down into the championship and they should have good seasons. So I think it's just it's just a, a little bit of perspective has been
0: lost today. Absolutely. Well, there's our, our views on, on the transfer windows, reads and all the incomings and outgoings. And up next, we'll be chatting about Wigan last weekend. Way to Wigan. And boys, Ben James, quickly, first of all, I want what are your views on, on that loss? Is it a disaster, and is the result damaging as much as people are saying?
2: No, not really. I think Wigan are one of those weird sides. If you look at them over the last couple of years, they've had amazing results against teams like Man City. They had that cup run, but then they've been, they were woeful towards the kind of middle part of last season. They've got you know, players that we know well, Pilkington, Marshall. They've got Josh Windass, who we were linked with. I think it's, it's the opening day of the season. I think, for me, I always write those games off. I think when we lost to Bournemouth last year, I said, I said the same thing, really. That first game is kind of just the feel your way in, see how you think you're going to get on, and then, and then take the game from there. There are 45 games left to go. I think when we went up in two thousand seventeen eighteen, we we won sort of uh, twenty six. I think Etheridge going off was a blow. We kind of fell apart a little bit because of that, and I think it was new players feeling each other out. I think home against Luton coming up. I think the the performance will be much different.
0: And Ben, the, the lineup as it, as it was um, largely picked itself in terms of obviously Etheridge and Goal, the back four. Um, the one question perhaps was in midfield of whether Will Volk should start. Um, obviously, he went with Rawls and Bakun and Bakuna with Bobby Reid ahead of him. With hindsight, do you, do you think that was the right decision? Were you surprised that Vokes didn't start and didn't even make it onto the pitch?
1: No, I think if we didn't have the injury to uh, Etheridge, I think we'd definitely seen Vokes come on. I think it would have been around the 50-60 minute mark. But um, I think from, from what I saw pre-season... Uh, it seems I'm from the stuff that Warnock was saying. It seems like folks still quite hasn't quite settled in yet. He's still still not sure of what Warnock's expecting of him. He's trying to please everyone instead of playing his game. I think is what he said in one of the confer- like press conferences after the, one of the games in preseason. So it sort of makes sense. Bakuna's also still quite fit from not really having a summer break to be honest. And uh, I can see why he went for that. It's just, will it be the long term solution? I don't know. But um, I can see why you went for that. I don't think it was a mistake at all.
0: Well, in my in my notes that I'd made obviously before we we lost Bobby Reed, I, I'd written down that I thought we probably should have gone with with a flat kind of three in midfield, like like in the promotion season for the first game, just to kind of feel our way into it. But it kind of felt like Warnock had to start Bobby Reed. There'd be so much pressure on Reed being the man, and, and uproar if Warnock hadn't started from him. But Reid obviously had zero shots on target in the game. And obviously it's now a a situation that we don't have to think about, Ben. But do do you think that 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 is the system going forward, the 4-5-1?
1: Possibly. I just think one of the bits that hurt the fan, hurt sort of the expectations of the performance, was the Manchester United performance. We were playing on the floor. We played free-flowing attacking football. And we we outplayed Man United at Old Trafford, which is something I never thought I'd say. But... (laughs) Going forward, I don't think it was ever going to be that Warnock was always going to sort of go back to that championship sort of style, but he played the formation that sort of worked wonders at Old Trafford. I think we were expecting we were expecting something different to what we got. And it's just yeah, it's just I don't see anything wrong with it. It was just one I think it was one of those games. I think we underestimated Wigan. I think the players massively underestimated what's coming from there. They're not a bad side, there's some good players there. Uh, Windass caused all sorts of problems for players that are pre- playing at Premier League style. So it says everything there.
0: Absolutely. And and BJ, do you think that, obviously we know that Warnock sides don't necessarily play much with, with the ball on the floor. They're a bit more direct. But when Warnock first came in, and, and obviously the season we got promoted, we were the underdogs always, weren't we? And, and mm-hmm. teams expected to pick up points against us. Now it's slightly changed. And I, th- I think we saw that a bit at Wigan in that this is a scalp, you know, beating Cardiff is a scalp and, and that showed that Wigan were, were hungry, were were ready to, you know, press and get the ball down. Do you think Warlock well, needs to change it slightly to make his size more comfortable on the floor to to kind of play around that press?
2: I think so. I think it, something similar happened when, I think it was the, the the Wales Euro qualifying before we got to 2016. Israel came to town and we drew nil-nil. It was the game I think we were meant to win to to go through to the the actual uh, tournament proper and it was a similar thing there you could see that the welsh team and i um, similar to last saturday the carter team couldn't deal with being the team who were expected to win and i wonder if that the warnock needs to kind of take it back to basics in that sense and just get them being more comfortable with the ball and more willing to pass the ball around while they're being pressed and the teams are trying to harry them because we are a scalp you know we came down with huddersfield and fulham and i think we're you know uh, us and fulham are more mentioned for the the favorites to go up compared to huddersfield say but i think wherever we go this year, teams are going to want to, want to beat us and want to take that, that three points because they know that we're a big side coming to town. And I think Warnock needs to learn how to adapt to that. And I wonder if that's, the, you know, the Marlon Pack signing coming in because he is the kind of person I think he played for Bristol last week. And I saw stats that every pass he made was kind of sideways and slightly backwards, but it was just keeping the ball, keeping it calm and, and being slightly metronomic in the midfield that will, that will you know, allow, allow other players to do what they need to do off the ball.
0: Absolutely. I saw a uh, Bristol City fan on Twitter actually... Is comment on on Packer saying what he does well is getting those short passes from the the centre backs and the goalkeeper and then looking to build the play from there which Cardiff don't really have um you know even Aaron Gunnison wasn't particularly that that type of player and Ben I think it's probably even more in, important now with with the centre back pairing of Sean Morrison and Nathan Flint and neither are particularly good on the ball I know Borough fans are particularly frustrated with Flint's kind of ball playing
1: abilities. so do you think that's really important Pat coming in to do that? I think so. I think it just takes a bit of pressure off those boys to sort of just do what they do. Morrison actually, in fairness, has got better on the ball over the last couple of years. I think his goal at Hull proves that, that he's he's got some ability to take it forward. It's just not at the level it needs to be, whereas Flint, I think, more is a classic. I think the old Ben Turner, take it, hit a Diag and go from there. And I think, yeah, Pack just takes the pressure off. I think any player sitting in front of those two takes the pressure off those boys and I think sort of takes the pressure off Peltier as well a bit as well.
0: Yeah, and Bj, what are your thoughts on the Flint Morrison partnership? And, and watching the the highlights back, it worried me slightly that you know the lack of p- pace there. Sorry, and I think was it Windass's goal where he completely outpaced uh, Morrison. How do you see that partnership working?
2: I, I, you know, as a as a, a Sunday League playing centre half who is probably slower than Flint and Morrison. Um, I should be slightly offended that you 're suggesting that there 's something wrong with it, um, <laughs> but in reality i I take your point. I think what needs to happen is there needs to be some compensation from the the fullbacks. I think if we had a quicker fallback in Peltier or a, a, a quicker fullback in Bennett, then I think things wouldn 't be so kind of worrying, but I just think they 're going to have to get used to their limitations as a pair aren 't they and I think
0: mm-hmm.
2: we 've got Bamba to come back in, and we 've got the youngsters and kind of Kieran brown and, and Cameron Cox who can come in and, and do a job as well, and I think it 's just there's going to be a couple of games where they get used to each other, and I think most most good defenders are know their own limitations. And I think we were just caught on the hop against Wigan, and I think when when we're in sort of three or four games time, Flint and Morrison will know that they shouldn't be risking certain things, they shouldn't be getting themselves caught out of position. They'll just play their position like they should, and I think it's just going to take a, a few games to get used to that.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I would be kind of a big big fan of, and as much as I think Lee Peltier has, has done fantastic and he was brilliant last season. Perhaps one of the issues is not having that pace across the back line as a whole. And maybe Bakuna hasn't played there too much for Cardiff, but I know he has in the past and he's a really athletic player. Perhaps dropping him into right-back instead of Peltier Ben would, would make a difference. He's had that pace to get behind and cover the defenders.
1: That worries me. Um, I don't trust Bakuna enough to do the defensive work that we need in this team. And I don't think Warnock does either. That's why he's not really gone in there. I think Bakuna was signed for a midfield role and we, for some reason, thought he was going to sit in a right-back. I think you're more likely to see Nelson go in a right-back than anyone else and sort of do the Bruno Manga style right-back than see uh, Bakuna go in there. We've got Cox to go in there. Um, I think Kieran Brown can put, uh, has played a bit there at preseason. Or was he on the left? I can't remember. But it's another option there. But I don't. I generally don't see Bakuna as a right-back for us. I don't think he's got the defensive position ability to play there unless we switch maybe players' wing-backs, then I think it might happen, but not as a um, flat four. Yeah, and I can't
0: see... I mean, I tweeted in the week about um, a, a kind of three-at-the-back system I thought could work quite well with N- Nelson in the centre of Morrison and Flint to provide that cover, but B.J. Warnock just doesn't change his system that much, does he be on the four five one to four two three one.
2: No, he's a he's a, a stubborn old fool, isn't he, in that sense? Um, look, I just think... I think it all comes down to to you know we've we've had a bad end of transfer window. We lost against Wigan, but I think what happened in 2017, 2018 when we got promoted was that Warnock got into a way of playing. He was rigid, it was traditional, but it worked and it got us promoted. And there were some good moments in that season. I know we weren't exactly you know um, setting the world on fire. We weren't Brazil at World Cup '98 or World Cup 2002 where we were playing samba football. But I think. To get out of the championship, you need to do a couple of things well. You need to defend well, and you need to grind out wins. And I think Warnock's the master of that. And I think we're we're in a position now where there's going to be a couple of games where we get used to things. But I think it all being well, the the system will stay the same. We'll we'll feed in players like Volks. We'll feed in players like Pack now, and then in a couple of games' time, we'll be we'll be looking okay again.
0: That's the thing, isn't it, Ben? In, recording next week's podcast, or even a couple of weeks' podcast. The perspective could be completely different like we've we we we've come off a an opening day loss we've lost the player that everyone thought was was going to be our our big star this season and so naturally you know people are a bit down but one win or two wins and, and everything changes
1: oh definitely I think the mood uh I think people are sort of on a bit of a down after the Wigan loss anyway and sort of the end the way this window sort of played out in some people's eyes has sort of made it even worse I know some people have been calling for a protest on Saturday, which I think is amazing. <laughs> it's been too long since we've had a protest. So, so um, you won't yeah. be
0: joining in the protest then?
1: Um, no, I think it'll give us an amiss. Um, but I think it's just it's going to take time. We've got a new centre-back peering. Morrison, uh, Morrison and Bamba took a little bit to come in. It wasn't plain sailing, although it slotted in quite quickly. Um, if you look at Morrison and Manga, who probably Manga was the best defender we've had in years, they took a long time to really sort of find their partnership and work out who was doing what role, uh, especially when we've got a new midfield in front of you. It's it's going to take a little bit. It's not going to be, we aren't going to go on that sort of eight game run early on that we had last season, uh, last, last promotion season, sorry, where it was good football, won the games comfortably and sort of built up the point. It's going to take a couple of games. Even if we got a point against Luton, it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, I think it's going to take a little bit of time just this spine to settle. We've had a bit of a change. there, and it's, just, it's just going to take time. I think there's a bit of patience is needed, a bit of realism is needed from some fans that this league is tough. There's no clear favourite this year. Everyone, There's probably 12 teams that are seriously looking going, we've got a chance to get promoted here. Maybe more. Yeah. It's going to be a tough league and people are going to take points off everyone. A, a loss away to Wigan isn't a disaster. No. And I think it's just um, take a second, take a breath and just think, it's not actually that bad long term
0: yeah absolutely and you said there we, we, we've lost a lot of the spine and I, I think that's, that's spot on someone on Twitter pointed out with injuries you know Etheridge out injured we've lost Bruno Manga Bamba's out injured we've lost Gunnison Kamarasa Arter Zahor's gone reed has gone you know, that's a big spine from, from the team that are missing for either permanently or, or the next few weeks. But Etheridge is, is the big one that's that's gonna be missing. Obviously, went off against Wigan with that hamstring injury. Uh Warnock says it's gonna be a few weeks to a to a couple of months that he's gonna be out. And Warnock all said that going off wasn't the turning point, but do we think it was, BJ?
2: I think so I think as a you know when you're when you're looking at a new a a new season and you you've changed the defenders you've changed a few midfielders you're you've changed a few things around the pitch the the one position you don't want to kind of upset the apple cart with is probably the goalkeeper and I think players train and you know you train behind the scenes to, to play with a certain system and I don't think Joe Day's a bad goalkeeper but to kind of be thrust into the into the kind of pressure cooker situation like that is isn't ideal for anyone and you have like Flint and Morrison getting used to each other, but, you know, at least Morrison knows how Etheridge plays and they've played a couple of preseason games together. Then all of a sudden you have two defenders who've never played in a competitive game together playing alongside a new goalkeeper who's never played with those two defenders before in a competitive game. And I think it just kind of it isn't an ideal situation. I don't think Day can be faulted for any of the goals. I just think it, it, it just wasn't the, the, you know, the optimum moment, shall we say, for him to make a debut. I mean, we saw it last year with Smithies when he came in during the League Cup and the FA Cup and he looked terrible. Yeah. And I think a, a player coming in after, what, it was sort of 60 minutes, I think it was, 50, 60 minutes coming yeah. in and, and in a in the first game of the season, it's just it's just not an ideal situation for anyone involved.
0: And looking at, at the three Wigan goals, obviously, the first one was a ricochet, which just fell to Jacobs and he, he slotted past. Win that's his second. Obviously, Morrison was at pace. It was a good shot. Maybe they you know, could have been positioned a little better but I don't think you blame him too much and the third goal from Lee Evans was just a wonder goal Ben can can any blame be at Joe's feet
1: no I'm gonna make it clear now former goalkeeper I'm a solid member of the goalkeepers union um I don't think there is much fault with any of the goals to be honest uh to lay at the keeper's feet um you look at the first goal uh Bakuna and Peltier basically run into each other creating that space for Jacobs Windass's shot takes a deflection off Morrison's thigh and creeps in where Dave would have normally had that covered, and then Evans, you've got Peltier backing off and giving him way too much space, and the Newport lad slams it home into the top bins. Um, I think he's really unlucky. There was a couple of kick, there was a couple of kicks that were poor, and he had a couple of moments. But when you're coming on after 60 minutes into a game that's full-paced and you're a keeper, it's really easy to get. It's not really easy to get the feel of the game, and it's very easy to blame a keeper for the mistakes. Um, no, I think he's. I think he did all right. He looked nervous, but it's a big step up from League Two to card uh, to the Championship. And I think he's. I think people are being very harsh on him. I think he's impressed me more in one game than Smithies has with the two he's sort of played. I know that's harsh on Smithies because I know he's a good keeper, but I think people are being very, very unfair on Day. If he had played that position and come from even a League One club, there would be less grief. But because it's little old Newport. I think people are just looking for an excuse to jump on his back and say, oh, we've signed this championship keeper, but we're playing a League Two player. I think Dave's more than capable of playing it. He, look at his performances in the FA Cup. He was yeah. man of the match for a couple of those games. He was brilliant. Not not just last season, but the season before. Yeah, and I think just, he's, got, he's got to be given time to settle. Etheridge was shocking, kicking-wise, when he came in. And positioning-wise, he was very nervous. It's only been the last 18 months that he's really stepped up and turned into a top keeper. Still can't Fr- kick. Yeah, he yeah. still can't kick, yeah. I'm even never the... sure
2: if he's left or right-footed.
1: I don't think he's either-footed. Uh, but it's even when the players are joking about it on YouTube. You know, <laughs> yes. he's aware yeah. he can't kick. We're all, There's limitations. That's why no one's taken a punt on him. Um, and I think Day's going to have the same issue. He's not going to be the best distributor of the ball. His throwing's decent. I thought his throwing was good. It was his kicking that sort of let him down. And I just think he just... I just really thought the fans were harsh on him. I really mm-hmm. did.
0: Yeah, I agree. Tell you what, we'd have a good little uh, backline with with Ben Price in goal. I'm a centre half as well, and BJ a centre half. So if Warnock needs needs a new back trio, we're we're the guys, I think.
2: Yeah, I'm in. I'm in.
0: <laughs> obviously, the big question now with with Etheridge missing is, what does what does Warnock do? Is it Smithies, who you know was was left out of the the tour to America, if if I remember correctly, and. It was expected, really, that, that he would leave the club this this summer. It seems he's still here. Does he go with Day or does he go with Smithies, BJ?
2: Um, I think at this stage, he has to go with Day. Um, I think Smithies obviously came in last summer and I think, as I said earlier, there was an expectation that he was going to come in, dislodge Etheridge and kind of take over that number one slot. But he looked poor in the cup games we played and I think he even, sort of, second half of the season stopped appearing on the bench sometimes. I think Murphy was put in, in on yeah. the bench ahead of him. Um. I think now he's kind of made his position clear. Day was number two on the first day of the season. He came on. If Why would we sign Day if, 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 if everything was OK with Smithies? I think I, there was rumours today that Smithies was going to go to Newport. And I still think he might leave on loan. You know, the League One and League Two clubs have a, a few weeks to kind of get their, their act together and get some loans in. And I wonder if we might let Smithies go if, if the Etheridge injury isn't as long term as we might think. So, yeah, my, my prediction is that the day's going to start. And I, I actually don't think Etheridge will be out for as, as long as the, the rumours initially said. I think that, you know, it's been kind of pointed at that sort of two months is the, the time frame we're looking at. But um, I just think that I just have a, a gut feeling that he'll be back in a in a, in a month or
0: so. Perfect. Well, that would, that would be much better th- than expected. And Ben, do you agree, is, as an ex-keeper yourself, does they get the nod?
1: I think for me, definitely. I'm actually surprised um, Smithies didn't go. I thought... Uh, The club's still talking with Barry Murphy. I think um, looking at him, I thought the club would take him on a short-term contract and sort of put him into a coaching role at the end of it and let Smithies go out on loan or go permanently. So it still might be the case. I think we could still sign free agents. I think that 3rd choice keeper, when Murphy isn't a bad place, I think Smithies is too good to be sat on the bench or sat in the stands not getting a look in. Um, I'm
0: surprised Nottingham Forest didn't come in for him. They seem to have signed about 25 keepers this summer.
1: They were genuinely linked with him. Um, I, I saw, were, I saw a link saying that uh, Smithies expect uh, possibly could go there. So, yeah, it's um, he, I feel sorry for Smithies. I really do. He's a good keeper, um, but you've got to go with Dave for this. He's been bought in as the next Neil Etheridge. Um, he's got to be given that chance to prove himself. And I think, again, it's sort of, I've just seen the Cunningham, like Cunningham. It's just been confirmed. He's gone to Blackburn. Um, it's. Just no, it's not a move that's worked for him. He sort of came in, Etheridge has played a blinder and I don't see him being good enough to oust Etheridge full-time. He'll want to play more than six games while Etheridge is out. He wants to play for the rest of the season and I don't think it's going to happen in Cardiff.
0: Absolutely. and Well, that's the, the inquest into Wigan and the goalkeeping situation out of the way. And Before we turn our attention to Luton at home on Saturday, we heard from Ian from We Are Luton Town blog who gave us the Luton Town view ahead of the game. Ian, thanks so much for joining us. First of all, what can you tell us about Luton Town on the field and their playing style?
3: Obviously, we lost a couple of influential players last year in James Justin and Jack Stacey. But we've also gained some some more championship experience in um, Craney, <clears throat> Tunnicliffe, um, All kind of staples in the championship over the last few years. And that kind of showed... They helps along the way at Middlesbrough on Friday. Um, Craney scoring a goal he hasn't scored for a while, so it was good for him to get a first goal. Um, but Tony Cliff showed his class as well, so um, all you could see were were championship staples that have, have been around for a while and been around the block and plenty of championship experience and that's been our kind of go to um, in our transfer market. And all all them were free transfers as well. So that's kind of what we've done is, is gain champion experience. We've also um, signed Sluga from Rijeka, uh, which is the Croatian league. Um, broke our transfer record on that one as well. So one point six million, um, not massive. Obviously, not anywhere near the numbers that Cardiff kind of produced. But for us, that was obviously big, and it's a record that we've we broke. Um that's been around since like nineteen eighty five I believe. So um yeah, it's a good signing. And he apart from his mistake on Friday, he did really, really well. In regards to our, our playing style, I think he's obviously looting a synonymous for playing a um a diamond formation, four four two diamond formation. But I think he's he's twi- uh, he's slightly tweaked it and it it's it was difficult to get a judge of it on Friday. Um but again it's it's very much based on building out from the back fast attacking football um you could see that <clears throat> our midfield players were spreading it wide McManaman, he was getting the crosses in early to to collins which which happened with a disallowed goal um so yeah again it's it's difficult to see what implementations um jones has made over in the pre-season You can kind of see bits and pieces coming through, but it's certainly getting the ball forward fast, uh, attacking football, um, which we're very much used to last year. Um, But it's a slightly tweaked version because we've lost the two wing-backs. It's difficult for them to get forward with Craney and Potts to get forward as much as Justin and Stacey did. They were very much um, our pivots last year on attacking football and with them gone, um, it's difficult to replace them. Uh, Hopefully we're going to do that today, but um, we've got the uh, transfer market closing up at six o'clock, so we'll see what happens in between then.
0: And what about the expectations this season here? As a newly promoted side, what are you hoping for?
3: Expectations for this season? What do I expect or what do I want? Um, I think we kind of expect to stay up. I think we've got a a strong enough squad. Um, if we look at some of the other people in and around us, um, I think we'll surprise a few teams. But our final position, anything above 21st for me is, is a bonus if we stay in this division this year. We need to build um, and we need to build slowly. And that's our ethos at Luton. Um, so any anywhere above 21st would be great. That's pretty much where any Luton fan is kind of expecting us to be in and around that area.
0: And then finally, what is your score prediction for Saturday's game?
3: A score prediction. A uh, difficult one. Um obviously you guys lost on Saturday. You've signed some some more good players, you're a strong squad. I think it was just a you know, first game of the season thing for you guys at the weekend. Um and that can happen in the championship. I expect a really, really tough match. I don't think we're gonna roll over and die, but I do expect a Cardiff win probably going for, I'll go for 3-2, three, 3-2 two. Three, three, two to Cardiff.
0: Ian, thanks so much for joining us and best of
3: luck for the season. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having us on. Bye. Well,
0: we heard from Ian there who, who spoke about Luton, their promotion last season and the expectations to avoid relegation. This season and boys I don't know if either of you saw uh, their game last week against Borough the first game of the season 3-3 at home and it was a hell of a result an absolute
2: romper stomper of a game um, I think there was classic what goalie... championship wasn't it yeah it was it was completely end-to-end there were goalkeeping calamities for both sides there were world-class goals and absolute bundled in there was controversy it was just I mean if, if that's what Luton
1: are going to bring to the championship then uh, I, I
2: think it's going to be a good season for them
1: I, I blame this game for ruining my weekend. Um, <laughs> it started so well. Championship football's back. A 3-0, miss penalty. Everything you wanted out of the game it was brilliant. And then watching the weekend game sort of brought, brought me back down to earth and made me realise I hate football. <laughs> but um, no, I think they're, they're a good side. I think you look at what they've brought in. There's some seriously solid championship players there. I think people are going to underestimate them massively. I think they've bought some. They've bought clever. I think they've bought steady. Championship players they can build up for the next couple of years. I think well, got, I think what, they're going to surprise a few people this season.
2: Yeah, they've got Callum McManaman on the wing, the wing who's rapid. They've got Jacob Butterfield in the midfield, who's been you know he was at Barnsley, I think, when we played them in the FA Cup, and then he's been at Derby, Leeds, and a few other places. I think it's it's a it's a real kind of uh, masterclass in signing these players who know how to play in the Championship and who are going to do it well for a couple of years, and you can you can blood players around them.
0: Absolutely, and and you know Ian spoke about the the outgoings and the big you know transfers that they lost were were James Justin who went to Leicester and, and Jack Stacey who went to Bournemouth, both their full-backs, if I imagine. But you mentioned that you know incoming was the experience and Martin Craney and McManaman, like you mentioned, and um, you know that is the way to do it. I think when you come up, and it's not too dissimilar to when Cardiff were first promoted to the to the Championship all those years ago, when, and Dave Jones, you know, brought in plenty of experienced Championship players, Bj, that that really helped us you know establish ourselves as a championship side.
2: Yeah, and I think you know when I think what was it when when Dave Jones came in that summer he signed people like Jermaine Darlington, Ian Cox, Darren Purse um and but you also signed people like Glenn Lubbins and 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 played mm. these players alongside them that I think that's that's exactly what you should do in that in that first season in the championship. I think it's just it's getting players in who are going to know their way around this league and know how to kind of distribute the advice to other players and keep things steady. And I think that's 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 the key thing to kind of staying up and, and consolidating that first season.
0: And Ben, one of the things that really impressed me watching watching Luton on uh, on Friday night was the high intensity and and pressing of, of their game. And you know it caused Borough a few problems. And does it worry you our kind of backline? And, and we've mentioned you know not particularly the best on the board. Does that pressing worry you?
1: Um, if we're playing like we did on Saturday, yes, I think they're gonna, <laughs> there's going to be a few shocks. I think there's going to be a few early grumbles and I think players might w- wise up a bit. But um, I think some fans are expecting this to be another easy game and sort of be a walkover. And like I said, they're not going to be. They're going to push us hard. Gonna, you've seen what they do, did to a good Middlesbrough side. Um, I think they're going to give us a good game. It's not going to be a comfortable 3-4-0 that some people might hope it's going to be. I think this is going to be an exciting game. I think it could be end to end. I think the way they press could set us up to hit them on the counter quite nicely. Um, I think it's a good game uh, for Glatzel to sort of come in if he can, if he does start, uh, or even play, give Bogle a chance to get a run at it as well and sort of hit on the counter. I think it's that sort of game for us, but they're going to bring it to us and sort of if they play like they did against Borough, I think we're in for a st- we're, it's going to be a tough game. We're going to be in for a bit of a scrap.
0: Absolutely, and, and B J Ben mentioned there about you know the possibility to hit them on the counter attack if if they if they're pressing, and that is what Cardiff do well, isn't it? And particularly you know the pace of Josh Murphy and, and Nathaniel Mendes Lang, who, who's particularly looking deadly in pre-season. And mm-hmm. is that an avenue do you think that we should be you know pushing for?
2: Absolutely, I think we've the, the system we play you know pushes pushes our wingers Murphy NML or Hoyler, whoever it is further up the pitch and further on the wing, and I think we've got. You know, we've got Junior Hoyler on the bench. We've got Gavin White on the bench behind what you'd expect to be Josh Murphy and Nathaniel Mendes-Lang. And as a four, that's four very exciting wingers who can come in at any time and, and chop and change things up. And I think the way we're going to play this season, if we have got either Glatzel or, or Vassal in the middle of the in the in middle of that kind of three as a forward three, I think it's going to be, you know, uh, completely important that we get the ball to the wingers, that we get them down the line, we get them to the byline, and we start putting crosses in because I think, if Patterson's going to be the person who's preferred to Bobby Reid, then you can have Patterson running in onto the edge of the box. You can have uh, Glatzel putting the pressure on the defenders and the keeper. And I think it's very important that, the, that Mendes, Lang and, and Murphy get those crosses in because that's, how, that's going to be very fruitful for us.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Callum Patterson there, BJ. How important do you think he'll be for, for Cardiff this season? And I'm not sure how, how long is it until he'll be, be back in first-team action? I know he scored for the under-23s the other day.
2: Well, yeah, he's he's back playing for the under twenty three, scoring goals. I think he's going to be a, a crucial figure. What was he? He was our top scorer, I think, the season that we went up. And he, he he missed two months of the season and played some of the games at right back. I think if if Warnock's indication is that he's going to put Patson as the the attacking midfielder or just behind the striker, then I think he's going to be a an incredibly important outlet for us. He's a you know, I think we went into the Premier League last season with a striker and he became our best option as a striker. And I think he's going to do the same in the championship he's a completely baffling footballer no one knows how to deal with him he seems to add a new element to his game every week and I think if he's if he if he takes that role that Bobby Reed would have played he'll get his 10 15 goals this season I can see it
0: and the oldest looking young player of the year of course
2: well exactly yeah he's got the the grey hair of, of Kevin McNaughton he's got the uh, the, the, the style of a, of a granddad really
1: <laughs> for a lad that grew up, in, grew up in Edinburgh he looked like he had a tough paper round
2: I mean if <laughs> He's, he was born in london weirdly enough and he's got um i think south african heritage he's a real kind of um a real interesting case in diversity in that sense um i think he's a, he's a i think i just think he's he's a hero i just don't think we i think we're kind of underestimating the fact we're we're, we're livid that reed is gone but i think patterson is going to blow him out of the water this year
0: yeah absolutely i, I saw an article um I can't remember where it was but it was uh, a one to eleven of um players who who should be in the Premier League this season in the championship and there's two Cardiff players on there's Neil Etheridge and, and Callum Patterson who they'd lined up in kind of centre mid and and I agree I think I think we're underestimating him. I I think I would say that he's Cardiff's best player and that's a big shout but you know, the impact that he's had over over two seasons in outer position, traditionally a right back and of course still playing for Scotland at, at right back. Yeah. I think he's brilliant. And, and Ben, where do you think his best position is?
1: I was just about to bring this up. I think the biggest flaw to Paterson, who is a great footballer, is no one really knows where he is. I don't think he's a right back. I agree with Neil Warnock. He's not a right back. He's not good enough defensively. Do I think he's a striker? Not really. Is he a classic number 10? No. Is he a centre midfielder? He could be in time, but I think at the moment that's to his strength. But I think over time, he's going to be too much of a utility player, and it's going to really hurt him. Whether it's at Cardiff or somewhere else, yeah, it's going. He's going to. He's might fall into the John O'Shea mould of <laughs> jack of all trades, master of none, and I'd really hate to see that because I think he's a really talented footballer. But I think this season is his season to really nail down. Right, I'm a number ten. I am a centre midfielder or whatever he wants to play. But I think he needs to nail that position. And really establish himself there because no one really knows where where he plays. I mean, we've all got opinions, yeah. Uh, but he's not nailed anything down yet, and I think he really has to do that.
0: Yeah, I I think he'll he'll probably find his kind of places. That most advanced midfielder, perhaps not a, a number ten, so to speak, but maybe like an advanced eight. Um, yeah, I think he can really do do some damage and, and arrive in late in the box, which he did so well. In that promotion season and I actually really liked him in, in the games he played last week as uh, as a right winger uh, last week last season sorry as a right winger and I think he you you know is good on the ball good defensively but also gives us that ability to play those deep kind of crosses to the far post where he can beat most fullbacks in the air but perhaps the problem for him there BJ is that he perhaps doesn't have the pace for that counter-attacking system on a wing that Warnock likes to play.
2: Yeah, I I was it against I think was Southampton away where he he was he was playing on the wing and he he was still winning headers in the box. Um, I I just I I I I think Patterson is just he's I think he's a master. You know, you say what's it a Jack of all trades, master of none. I think he's a master of all trades, a jack of none really. I think he can just really do anything that he wants to on the football pitch. And I think um, what was the game? I, I had a specific memory in my head then that literally just dropped out as I was going to say it. I just think he's. He's gonna. I think he is going to be preferred for that role behind Reed, and I think the re, you know behind the strikers. Sorry, and I think the reason we've got wingers around him is because I think, you know, White, Hoylet, they're gonna they're gonna cover the wings, and I think Patson's going to be our first choice behind the, the midfielders and the, uh, the strikers. Sorry, and I think that's just going to be really fruitful this year.
1: I think it's going to really help strikers. His just how good he is in the air. You yeah. look even even last season he did not lose many uh, headers. I think someone like Vass- uh, Vassell with the pace he's got um, could really latch on to that sort of run in behind and should go off him. And I think there's definitely potential there with Patterson. There's no doubt about it. And I think he's going to, I think he's going to sort of earn in the sort of cult hero status this season. He's a head case anyway, down <laughs> in a bottle of Mad- uh, MD 2020 sort of has sort of put him on that par. But I think this season's going to be a good season for him if he gets the chance to really shine and, I think he's going to bring players in, sort of earn himself that cult hero status. That sort of, we're probably missing a bit of them at the moment with this squad. There's no one really that fans uh, do or die with, like are in love with. We've sort of missed that since Wits, the days of Wits and Kev.
0: Yeah, I'd say I'd argue Gunnarsson was probably the the last one, really, of of you know a bit of a cult hero. Um, yeah, but I'm just looking forward to Will Vokes's his long throws with. Patterson, Glatzel, Aidan Flint, Lynch. Sean Morrison, Marlon Pack, <laughs> six foot two. I've just i just checked. So we're just gonna just score all our goals from long throws, I think. Which I'm I fine think with. That's
2: a, yeah, it's a completely fine tactic by me. I think Boggs is gonna get what seventy two assists all of them
0: <laughs> from throws. Yeah, I think the thing with the thing with Patterson, just going back to that quickly, is he's only twenty four. Like that's still really young, and I think if we'd yeah, you know a, a young forward or midfielder who scored kind of 10 goals in, in the championship two years ago I think people would be excited by that you know look at the fanfare over someone like Ryan Sessegnon who's just because he's English and a, a tiny bit younger has you know gone to Spurs now and there's all this fanfare but Patterson is only young and has got so much potential so I, I'm excited to see what will happen this season
2: I'm really excited to see what happens with him this season I think it's, it's the same with people like with Glattall and Gavin White who are coming in I think those guys are, you know, I think when, when we signed Glatzel, we were, we were absolutely over the moon that we'd somehow traded in Kenza Hall for eight million, you know, for eight million quid and a striker of Glatzel's pace and we, we, we of Glatzel's stature and we still kept two and a half million from the transfer fee. I think it's just, I think people have just lost that perspective and I think there's a lot to be yeah. excited for going into the new season.
1: I think we've got some wickedly, like, exciting players that potential, and they're unknown quantities as well, which is sort of where we work best. Yeah. Um, Glatzel looks great. I think White's going to, not quite the same impact as Joe Mason, but he's sort of in that sort of mould. We're not expecting too much from him. He's young. I think he's going to surprise a few people. Uh, Volks, everyone's excited about, obviously, with the Welsh connection. But I think he's going to impress. He's going to, He should get a lot of assists, For like we were saying. Um, I think there's a lot to be excited about with this team. I really do. I think it's going to be a fun season. We can't let a naff day today and a sort of bad result against Wigan take what... The hype that and the excitement that people were going into before the Wigan game—I think there was a, so much positivity, which was really strange for Twitter, um, <laughs> given the given the current climate of just how much this season is going to be enjoyable. and yeah. I think we need to get back to that. I think we've got some wicked unknown quantities coming in, and I think there's 45 games to go. It, yeah. There's going to be ups and downs. We're going to lose it. three. We're going to lose three nil to Preston.
2: Stop it! Write it off now. The season's done. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> But I think you're right. There's so many unknown quantities. Even the likes of of Josh Murphy, we've seen real glimpses of, of what he can do, but didn't find that consistency last year. And if if Warnock can get the best out of him, he's you know he's one of the top wingers in the championship.
2: Exactly, and I think you know Nathaniel Mendes Lang last year came on, and uh, you know he didn't have the best middle of the season after his injury and all that kind of stuff. But by the end of the season, he was probably one of the you know there were times where he looked like the best winger in the league against Man United. I just he tore them apart down the wings. And I think that's what we've got to hold on to, really. We've got players still who can cause a lot of damage to other teams. And we've signed players like Will Vox, who fit the Neil Warnock mould. And because they haven't had a chance yet, I think that there's still, still a few weeks until we're firing on all cylinders and things will just look a lot better then.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. absolutely. And, really. and Ben, all those players we talked about, all those exciting players, and going into the looting games, do you think Warnock should make any changes? And, and what would your lineup look like?
1: Uh, it's a tough one. Um, I think, obviously, day and goal. I don't think you can drop Peltier. I don't think you can drop any of defence. It was one bad game. I think they need time to gel, build that sort of repertoire between each other, sort of, not repertoire, report is what I meant, and sort of bring that all together and sort of get that understanding. I think there's an argument to make a change in midfield, but I think it's going to be Bakuna it out for pack. And then from there, I think Mendes was still good against Wigan. I think he was one of the brightest sparks. I think Murphy, if he gets past his man on the first attempt, will do well. Um, he, that's the time he's seen dropouts. If he doesn't win the first one, you sort of lose him. But I think I think, other than that, going forward, we we haven't really discussed the curious case of Gary Medine either. Hey, of,
2: is he still here?
1: Is he at the <laughs> club? He's disappeared off the website altogether. Um, I'm getting a bit worried I might start sticking posters up around Campton uh, <laughs> just, just to check. But um, again, I think... We were talking about whipping the balls into the box and getting the crosses in. That's how Medine scored ten goals in a terrible Bolton side. Yeah,
2: it, yeah including against us. Him.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's um, he's a good player. People write him off, but we do not play to his style. I think if we're get if we're looking to change, and sort of whip the ball into the box and get players on the head of it. Medine's just as much a threat as like Glatzel or the Sale or anyone else. Probably better, probably more of a threat than certainly more of a threat than someone like Danny Ward. So. If, if Glatzel isn't ready to start, possibly and we're looking to get the ball in the box, look with goe Medin. Q Twitter outrage.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Or if we're going to look to play on the floor a bit more, then you've got Omar Bogle to play. Um yeah. I don't think Vassell will start. I don't think he's quite fit yet either. I think he's still a little bit behind. I think he'll come good middle of the season. Yeah, I'd be surprised to even see him on the bench, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's um the game will be Glatzel's debut, I'm pretty sure of that, whether it's off the bench or at the start. But they're the sort of questions. So, yeah, I haven't really answered your question.
0: <laughs> no. BJ, what about you? What, do you agree largely with that? Any, any changes you would make?
2: Ahead of Saturday? Um, yeah. I think, I think Glatzel's got to start. Um, I mean, I, I'd start Murphy and Mendes Lang, but I'd happily bring on White if, if things aren't, aren't looking as, you know, if, if, if neither of those are, are kind of firing on all cylinders. I think the defence kind of picks itself at this stage. Um, the only the only question mark I'd have is whether Marlon Pack starts ahead of Bakuna or or if Volk starts ahead of Bakuna or, or something like that. But I think I think we're we're going to see one or two changes at most. And I think we'll we'll see Day in goals and we'll see probably Glatzel up front as a as a starting point. And when then we we might see one of pack in the midfield or. But um, I can I can only see two changes definitely taking place for now.
0: Yeah, I, I can see can see Pack coming in for obviously Reed started so that that would be that change. And I, I think he's clearly a very Fit and um, consistently healthy, healthy player who's who's had a full preseason at, at Bristol City and played last week. So, so I think I can see him coming yeah. in with Bakuna and Rawls in midfield and, and seeing Vokes after maybe sixty minutes for for Bakuna. Yeah. Um, but I agree, Glad to up front and and I'd be excited to see see what happens there. And boys, in, first of all, go on, sorry Ben. I
2: was going to say in that brief moment I'd forgotten we told
1: Reed. So, um, yeah I did the same I literally <laughs> I did the same I've just realised
2: as, as you said it I was like oh wait I forgot we got we got one player to go so yeah I could see Pat coming in I wouldn't mind seeing Rawls maybe push forwards ever so slightly yeah I think I think I love Joe Rawls I think he got so much stick last season but he was so I remember watching the Brighton game where we beat them 2-0 away and he was just he Pitch was plans. everywhere he was he was taking passes giving it back making the option he was getting territory you know I know this is rugby but he was he was playing those passes into the corners just to kind of get people running onto things when there were no options there, and he, he I just think at this level he could be—he could re- be the real difference this year. That we've got a player who, he gets stuck in, he's got a good left foot on him, and he makes things happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he's—he's he's 25 now, one of the longest-serving players at the club, so he, he's got that experience in this league. He's coming into his his prime, and obviously took his, his goal brilliantly against, uh, well, against both uh, Nice and against um, against Ben. And do you agree he'll be one of the key players this year?
1: Oh definitely um, I think he's really going to step up I think we're talking about the flack he got for the first half for the Premier League season I think the first half he was poor um, I think he needed to learn I think playing with alongside Harry Arter has really sort of taught him how to play I think he's going to benefit most from his Premier League season that season in the Premier League you look at the player in the second half of the season to the one in the first half it's a totally different player I think we're really going to reap the rewards of him and I think he's on for a good year it's a nice to see sort of I know he's not an academy prospect, but someone that's been with the club for so long coming into his own now, I think he's gonna he's gonna be a very, very important part of this team. I don't see him missing too many games unless it's injured.
0: Yeah, I agree. Since uh, 2010 he's been at the club, so you know, coming on to on to ten years, so you know, a great yeah, servant to the club. Of already. Yeah. <laughs> and but finally, what's your score predictions? We'll start with with you, BJ.
2: Uh I think we're gonna win. I think we'll win two 0 um, I think we'll you know it's the first home game Warnock will get them firing I think Glatzel's going to be coming in which is a bit of a boost um, if Pat comes in and shores up that midfield then we're not going to let much get past us so yeah I'd say 2-0 Glatzel to get one of the goals and uh, maybe Murphy to get the other
1: What about you Ben? It's going to be a rainy Saturday I can see us going down 1-0 early on a couple of grumbles but I think we'll come back and win 2-3-1 or but I think it's going to be a good game I think it's going to be a wet but good game
0: yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that, actually. I'm going for 2-1. I think Luton might might take the lead and they're high intensity and they'll be, you know, coming out all guns blazing might take us by surprise slightly, but we'll settle into it and and, and get the win in the end. And, but before I let you go, BJ, quick words on, if you can, without getting too emotional, Victor Camarasa to Crystal Palace. Are they our second team now?
2: Um, well, after today's transfer window, they're my first team. Um, <laughs> look, I... I, I have an unhealthy amount of love for Victor Camarasa. I think he was just, uh, you know, as as everyone said last year, we're a Warnock football team, but Camarasa was absolutely a Guardiola footballer in the way he played. He was silky, he was marauding, and I think he just got the club. And I think that's the thing, you know, everyone everyone looked at Arta to be this kind of committed footballer, and I think Camarasa got the club in a different way, and he just understood what it meant to be to be a Cardiff City player. And I think Palace is so lucky to have him because he's... He's going to slot right in. You know, he's going to he's going to take them forward. And, it, you know, you, you've got that forward line now, what Townsend, Zaha, and you've got him behind them. I think that's such a, a dynamic forward three behind whoever they play up front, um, if it's Benteke or someone else. And I think that, that
1: does sort of take the shine off it, doesn't it? You've got that those glistening players, absolutely skillful, masterful players. <laughs> and and then you've Benteke. got a big slab of Christian Benteke up top.
0: <laughs> I
2: mean, I would take a, a big slab of Benteke right now at Cardiff, really. Um, yeah. But I think Kamaras is just, I, I think... As, as much as people are upset that he's gone to another uh, British team uh, a Premier League team I think it's we're lucky in a sense that we're going to be able to watch him on match of the day and we're not we're not having seeing him relegated to a bit bar player at Betis because he's better than that frankly isn't he he's yeah. more than someone who should be coming off the bench for 20 minutes here 15 minutes there he's someone who should be kind of leading the midfield and that, that someone like Palace he's got a good manager in Hodgson I think you'll get the best out of him
0: yeah absolutely well boys thank you so much for, for joining us a great podcast there we've talked Reed. Isaac muscles biceps and, and everything in between. So, thanks so much, and uh, we'll catch you all soon. Cheers, my pleasure. Cheers, then, Ta-ra.